0: Well, may we now find ourselves not caged by the letter of men, but freed in the inscripturated word of Christ in the book of Hebrews. We turn together now for chapter one. I'll be reading the whole chapter to you to give you the full complement, and then we'll drill down in just the first four verses of Hebrews. Now, this is a special title, isn't it? When you look at the book of Hebrews, you almost wonder, why is that in the, the New Testament? This is the covered ones, uh, a testimony delivered to the church uh, for us to enjoy today. It's in the third section of the New Testament. You can think of the Gospels, the life of Christ, and you can think of the early church, the pastoral epistles, and now we're moving towards the what some people call the universal or Catholic epistles delivered to us today. Uh, it's written to a people of, of, of unknown uh, placement or origin. There's a signature at the end that people from Italy greet you. So there's some kind of inclusion altogether. You can almost see the cracks showing for God's gospel to break free in his church. Uh, the author itself is unknown, but it's delivered for you today to be encouraged And I especially want to encourage one another uh, in the reading of the book of Hebrews, uh, as we go to the warning passages themselves, there's light on the other side. So don't be intimidated as you pick up your Bibles. But no, these are the words of life given to you. These are resurrection power for you to witness and share with other people in the testimony of Christ. You can see perhaps in your title that it's uh, starting out with uh, maybe an address. In your version, I have the ESV here, and it says, The Supremacy of God's Son. The supremacy of God's Son. So he's comparing he's comparing Christ to so many figures that these people know about throughout the history of the church, Melchizedek and other people. What you're going to see in this text today as I read the whole chapter, you're going to see some reference to angels. And he's starting out there because that's how they received the law. The messengers of the church were receiving a testimony. And he's saying this Christ who has been given to you is far greater than any angel, any messenger, all things leading up to him. He later compares Christ to other figures. And what he's saying to us today for your address now is to worship Christ as your God. Worship him. It almost sounds like a Sunday school answer, doesn't it? Just uh, so easy. We do that every every, every Sunday. Uh, But it's so profound, isn't it? Some of the simplest things are the most profound. And then some of the most profound things are the hardest to explain. God is giving us an outline here to worship Christ. He starts off almost like a story. It starts off really... Uh, appealing to people, appealing to people's conscience and in their hearts, imagining the history that they grew up with, these Hebrew people hearing about stories at the dinner table about these heroes of the faith long ago. Today, we have a culture that uh, inspires itself with movies and entertainment and and music and almost uh, looking to things like the Lord of the Rings for long ago stories that would inspire us and give us life. But there's no gospel like this. This is the only true gospel. So as you preach to your children this story, that is an old, old story new to you and me. As new creatures, you're ruining your children for any other false gospel. You're ruining people for any other false hope because he is your hope and you'll discover your hope as you worship Christ today here and now as we read together Uh, so let me just read a few things I do want to outline a couple of words uh, just if you'd bear with me briefly I want to define this word uh, that we use so much in uh, Christian circles as our brother Brian spoke to us this morning of his friend saying that churches tend to use Christianese Uh, This word glory I want to define for you briefly. Glory is the radiant splendor of God. God manifests his glory in his character and his works. God's glory gives us and the creation its singular, unmixed, and ultimate ends. The reformers... Uh, canonized this in a, a form of, that you're familiar with, the Reformation truths that were handed down to us, and ultimately the apex of all of this was sola deo gloria, all things existing for the glory of God. The ultimate ends of God's works in creation and redemption are his glory alone. Full stop. God's glory is the radiant splendor of God displayed. Another author who publishes dictionaries for us to enjoy and to learn more about these little words that we use often not to Uh, mix them with the culture's definition of glory, but ours is precious and we guard it and we lift it up and hold it out to one another. We're going to learn about the glory of God today in Hebrews 1. One author says, The Old Testament glory and honor and related verbs and adjectives translate several Old Testament words, primarily a group of stemming from the Semitic root kavod. Some of you know about. This is something that means weight, heaviness, substance. This is giving substance to your worship today today. Christ himself. So this is delivered once for all to the saints for your reading here as the author of Hebrews pastors us. So let's now read, uh, hear now God's word. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, in whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years have no end. And to which of the angels Has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those to to inherit salvation? Thus endeth God's word with a question put to us today. In our culture, people are looking for meaning. Uh, They're looking to try to fill substance into their language, their identity, and their security. Uh, Today, I want to talk about two points in worshiping God We are perfecting the language that we share with one another. We're perfecting our identity, finding only security in him, something that's unshakable, and you're perfecting your security in him as well. He does this in two ways for us in our text. The first is that he is the revelation of God, and the second is that he is the revealer himself, God incarnate. And so we have the God-man right here in our text today, fully man and fully god delivered to us as promised. Long ago, says verse 1, if we'll look together uh, at the scriptures, long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. What we draw from this text here is that all human language, all communication that God has gifted us as image bearers Has one ultimate end for the glory of God, and that's the radiance of Himself manifesting who He is to us in Christ. And as we heard this morning from the book of Isaiah, reflecting all the promises in the Old Testament, Jesus says, They all bear witness to me. All human history, the Torah, the Psalms, the prophets, they all are bearing witness to me. So the purpose of our ability to communicate today is to bear witness to him. It might be said that at the end of life, all life is one word for or against Christ. All things culminating to to him, for him, through him. So this is a story that carries in our culture today who is sick over not having the words, the language, the identity, and the security. Point them towards this, the revelation of God. You can do this with Easterners. You can do it with pagans today in an era of complete biblical illiteracy because this is all the revelation that you need. Go to the book of Hebrews together and talk to them about God's promises unfolding throughout the scripture culminating in christ an inexhaustible text we have right in front of us here today thousands and thousands of years of testimony of the saints bearing witness to christ pointing to pointing us towards him our everlasting hope the scripture says this is done in many times in many ways and he spoke to our fathers through the prophets today and these are the last days here and now the author says in verse one he's spoken to us through his son More than that, he's appointed him the heir of all things. This is the penal substitutionary atonement. He has provided peace for us. What kind of atonement was it? A substitutionary one, that we might have peace with God, that humankind, man, might dwell with God forever and ever, enjoying him, worshiping and inquiring at his temple. This is the revelation delivered once for all to the saints, and we can deliver it to one another, equipping one another for every good work. Further, the author continues, this is a son who has an identity, has been appointed, and received the name above all names. Many of us have wonderful opportunities to witness to a culture who puts their hope, perhaps in family. What do you ask people during the work week? Who are you? What do you do? Well, I'm a parent. Well, I'm an engineer. This is the identity above all identities that gives us our identity so, pointing everyone everyone towards him, this will equip us for all good works in the culture today who are very confused about what identity even begins to mean. Point them to the son, the revelation himself. This is an equipment that Jesus had appointed for his church that we can go to the scriptures that he can. Uh, preserve his inscripturated word for the benefit of the church today closing the canon and delivering out his saints to send words of life into the hearts shrouded in darkness around them the elect are among us out there in the workplace and we can retrieve them using this the ultimate revelation all things pointing towards him Let's look again to the text. Further, we see the revelation of God culminating in Christ. He is the one through whom he created the world. This is the second point of our series today. Why worship Christ? Because he's not only the ultimate revelation. Why worship Christ? Because he is the revealer, the triune work given to us today. Himself, agent in the creation, in the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Agent in the new creation. Here, we see in the text, going to this is a proof for the divinity of Christ. He is the creator of the world and he upholds it, verse 3 says, by the word of his power. Next, in our, our uh, series, we see that he is the radiance of the glory of God and remembering uh, the the dictionary references that this is how we know anything of God at all. And it's not just once, it's not just particular, it's radiating An interesting word that is given to us, especially in this book, that he is that radiance of that perceptible element of God, an imperceivable God otherwise. So all revelation pointing to Christ to give you uh, a sense of him, to give you education of him. So we're not just operating on theory, but we actually have knowledge to bear down upon. We have a sense experience. We have uh, knowledge of him. We also have been converted by his faith to, to teach others about him and to walk with him, to point to them to, to, point them to the, the revealer himself, the radiance of the glory of God. Verse 3 also says he's the exact imprint of his nature. Some of you remember the story of Daniel. Uh, the story of Daniel refers back to uh, a time of imprisonment for the Israeli people And something that Daniel saw in his vision was the Ancient of Days. And as you look to our New Testament author, John, you can see that depiction of family resemblance between father and son, between the Ancient of Days and the exact imprint of his character. Something I'm remembering uh, from uh, a story that my granddad told me uh, is that he was so encouraged in his conversion to Christianity, as he went to the war, he needed a word of hope. He took his Bible with him into the uh, Philippines and uh, the Leyte Gulf, driving a tank ashore as an army crew chief captain himself. This man was a high school graduate as he told his colonel about his life story. But he had a Bible under his arm, and and the colonel actually told him, you get out there and preach to these men who are suffering. And he preached for 70 years after that. Not long later, he needed a word of hope. He needed a revelation from God as he read his scriptures. He needed Christ himself comforting him through the pains of war. He needed the revealer himself. It wasn't long later that the colonel called him a second time to come forward because um, a tragedy had happened in his family that he had learned his brother was one of the people who were uh, going into caves and uh, using arson to to, uh, eradicate these enemies in the caves. And his brother was brought to him uh, just in a can. He didn't have much comfort then, but he had his scripture with him far from home, alone, and feeling alone in the world. He needed revelation. He needed a revealer to care for him. And in that moment, in the mud and mire through Germs guns, germs, guns, and steel. He worshipped his Savior. He worshipped Christ, and he learned how to pray in that war. And he came back and preached the gospel to people who needed his hope, the hope of Christ in their lives. So the difference between a, re- a revelation, and a revealer, is the difference between uh, a, a letter from the warrior far away from home and him coming home and Uh, being embraced by his family. There's a difference between just a letter and a person standing in front front of you. Some of you have had this experience, letters from loved ones. You've had texts at the right time. You've had comfort from people. Ask yourself to be shaped by the revelation and the revealer. Ask yourself to worship him more and more and to be challenged in your own hearts, praying those scary prayers, those intimidating prayers that challenge one another and challenge our own heart's findings, going to him and being found out in our prayers. The sin that clings so closely is outlined outlined for us in the book of Hebrews as well. The sin that we were born into is the estate where we fell in, and it consists of the guilt of Adam's first sin, this want of original righteousness. It's not just that we didn't have merits, that we were born demerited. We need Him for this hope, and this is a world that needs the gospel. This is a heart that needs His gospel and a community that needs His gospel here. And you do that by worshiping Him. We can do that this week, even going particularly. To the, to the end of the book of Hebrews, I'm reminded recently by our, our brother McCowan delivering a, an exhortation to us in the evangelism, evangelism event that there are 10,050 plus imperatives in the New Testament. Some of them are right here in the book for you. So in your devotion this week, you can go to the 13th chapter and let me read just a couple of those for you. Verse 7 of chapter 13 says to remember your leaders, those who spoke to the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Further, and over and over again, you have imperatives throughout the 12th and 13th chapter, throughout the, the book of Hebrews, giving you instruction on how to witness today. Verse 17 says, obey your leaders, submit to them. They are keeping watch over your souls. Pray for us, he charges the church. Uh, For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. So as you go out into the world and you seek for those uh, anchor points to the soul, go to the book of Hebrews and talk to people about this old, old story that we sing about that has come new and shed afresh in your heart today. You can counsel people on what it is to truly have a language, identity, and security as you point people to the revelation and the revealer worshiping Christ. Let's do that together now as we close in prayer. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you uh, for your scriptures, uh, that they comfort us when we're down, Lord, uh, that you lift us up, uh, you brighten our mind with new questions, and Lord, with observations of your scriptures. Uh, Lord, that we always go to your text and we see some more of you. Lord, that we are refracting glass pieces, that we look through a glass darkly now and see the face of the Savior, even mindful of you as we see your gifts of the Spirit in one another. Uh, So may we long to see you face to face. Lord, as we know that you are refining us in a crucible, you are uh, changing us from one day to the next, we know that your word uh, not merely doesn't have effect, but it cannot be ineffectual in our lives. So thank you, Lord, for preserving us and preserving this church that holds out the gospel of Christ, that we may turn away from sin and turn towards you as we find life in you alone. And now we pray, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip us with every good work that we may do his will, working in us that which, ple- that, that which is pleasing in your sight, through Lord Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.